relationship. It's not the fact that we're chasing after the class of molar. It's because we're chasing after uh, a good, stable, uh, pleasing-looking smile, uh, and that is led by the posterior. Absolutely. And Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Hello everyone, I've got a really good episode for you today. Uh, there's some useful links and resources that if you want to access them, you can download the show notes from www.jazz.dental, that's jazz with one Z, that's jazz.dental. And under this sort of uh, episode title, it's like a blog post, you can download a PDF version. There's quite a few good links that uh, Dr. Mo Amusian shares today, so you can check those out on the website. So some of you know already I'm doing a diploma in orthodontics with uh, ACE, which is Academic and Clinical Excellence in Orthodontics, so it's 8th in Orthodontics, uh, based in Manchester, and the specialist and the sort of educator or mentor for this uh, diploma is Dr. Mohamed Almuzian, who has been just a beacon of energy, he's been a fantastic educator, and I really wanted him to appear on the show so he can share his orthodontic gems, and I thought where to st- where better to start than one of the pressing questions I always had when I was a student or uh, with my restorative background and mindset, to ask why are class 1 molars important, why are orthodontists, dare I say, so anal about class 1 molars? Now, if you're someone who's listening to this who's an orthodontist or uh, someone who is well-versed in uh, orthodontics, you're probably thinking, what the hell is Jazz on about? Isn't it obvious why class 1 molars are important? Well, actually, not quite. I don't think it's that obvious, and I think uh, some of the points raised today is actually, I'm hoping, will help a lot of people, a lot of GDPs and maybe students think, oh, that, that suddenly makes sense. I want something to click. I want the penny to drop. So, for example, in my restorative background, my previous sort of uh, rehabilitations or veneer cases, I wouldn't actually always look at the molar classification. If I'm only working anteriorly, maybe a slight uh, uh, increasing of the occlusal vertical dimension, I wouldn't always like record or uh, mentally note the the molar classification. And I think that's a mistake. And then now, uh, obviously, after doing this diploma, I appreciate the molar classes much more due to the reasons that you know will shed some light on why that is today. And also. Also, I, I appreciate faces. I look at faces, long face, short face. Uh, I really look at that much more now as well. Have they, do they look breaky facial? Have they got large masseters? So I really learned to appreciate faces after doing uh, the diploma as well. So what me and Dr. Mo cover in this uh, short but valuable chat is, what's the deal with class on molars? Why is this classification so important? Why do we need to sort of appreciate the molars? Uh, what does it actually mean? How can you mathematically calculate the overjet once you align the teeth based on what the molar classification is? So it's a pretty cool thing that, you know, once you get confident and you can tell patients, okay, if you just simply align your teeth, you will have a seven millimeter overjet. This is what this looks like on your models. Is this an acceptable compromise for you? So that gives you another sort of consent point and, and it makes you look very clever that you can actually predict how the teeth will change. Some of those who maybe use a, a 3D ClinCheck software can have already got accustomed to this now. And interesting, we also discuss in which cases can you accept a compromise result in orthodontics. Give me some feedback, let me know how you like it. And before we get into that, I wanted to share with you my protrusive dental pearl for today. And basically, it's one of my favorite sayings and it's, it's a great quote. And it is basically, how you do anything is how you do everything. That's how you do anything is how you do everything. Basically, once we qualify, 
our standards can drop so sharply, so quickly, without us even realizing it's scary. Uh, and I think we all know what we mean there. Our standards, the little things that, you know, we're, we're sort of strapped for time, you'll leave something, you know, a restoration high, or uh, you, when you're placing a matrix band and you know that you ha you know, you're getting a little bit of seepage in, you think it'll be fine, and you know, just restore it anyway. So our standards can drop so quickly, and you know, patients will be fine, usually 90% 90 of the time, restorative work can be quite successful, even if it's done poorly, unfortunately. And something that, you, you know, you can get away with, but in the long term, you know that that's damaging the patient, or it's not an ideal result, or it, it's not the way that we were taught at dental school. So. What you could do is if you focus on one thing, just one thing per week to increase or up your standards so that by the end of the year, you have made you know a, a monumental shift towards working at a higher standard of care. So how you do anything is how you do everything. Remember that when you're cutting corners, try and be as textbook as possible where you can. We are all learners, we are all students, but our aim is to get through dentistry, fall in love with the real minutia and the details of dentistry. And that's one thing that's uh, I think is quite important when you're a passionate dentist, falling in love with the very little details and getting satisfaction from mastering those. Hope you enjoyed the episode. I'll join you for a debrief at the end. So first thing I want to say, uh, Dr. Mohamed Almuzin, thank you so much for joining me on Protrusive Dental Podcast. Uh, I've been wanting to have you on for a long time because to me, you're one of the best educators I've seen, not just in orthodontics, but, but genuinely. I'm, I'm, I mean that genuinely, honestly. Um, you know me and the other diploma students, we're, very, we're raving fans of yours. And I, and I needed to get you on this show because I think the way you explain certain things will really, really empower and help GDPs. And that's what today's about. But before we get into the, the meaty bit, just quickly, can you just introduce yourself? Tell us about yourself, what your interests are, uh, and where you work at the moment. Well, thank you so much, Jazz. Um... Well, it's, uh, it's my pleasure to meet you. You are one of the brightest uh, student at the Diploma, one of the smartest one. Uh, and I am pleasure to, um, it's my pleasure to be with you here. My name is Mohamed al um, People call me Mo. I'm a specialist orthodontist. I'm only a lecturer at the University of Sydney, a research fellow at the University of Edinburgh. Uh, I work uh, uh, as a specialist orthodontist in London and in Glasgow. And also I teach uh, several uh, diploma across the UK and also I teach um, and uh, supervise some postgraduate students overseas in the Middle East, Australia and in Germany as well. One of the things that you're quite um, famous for, I mean you're famous for lots of things, especially you're heavily published in peer-reviewed journals, but one thing that you're really famous for amongst MOL students or orthodontic students is your famous Almusian notes. Yes. So if you, if you are interested in learning, delving yourself deeper into orthodontics, I mean, I, I know Mo teaches on lots of um, taught diplomas and, and courses, but even just to uh, read around all these notes that he's um, simplified for, for learning, uh, how can people access Al the famous Almusian notes? Well, it's uh, accessible for free uh, online. They are available on the Facebook, on SlideShare. Uh, it took around seven years for me to write them up. And I post them for free um, and to share it with the colleagues. And now I'm at stage of uh, condensing them, uh, rewriting them, proof, uh, proof editing them, and make them in a free uh, book, which is accessible th through Kindle app, and it will be kept updated uh, soon. And just to let you know, that's uh, because I have an access to the statistic of, of uh, SlideShare, and I can see how many people access and uh, like or download the uh, the, uh, the uh, notes. I found that in the last month, since 2013 until now, they have been downloaded almost 350,000 times. Uh, you can't see this right now, but my jaw my jaw literally dropped 
when when he told me this. Well, I can see that. That's a vast, that's a vast amount yeah. of. Uh, yeah. That's a huge number. That's a congratulations. That's very good. This is exactly what I wanted to have in the show. So, let, let's get to the meaty bit, okay? Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We've worked so hard on this Protrusive team, and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. I've been on a few short orthodontic courses before, okay, and uh, you know I'm still in the very early stage of my journey or, or, of, of learning orthodontics. I think orthodontics is very, very complex. I think personally, and I think uh, Dr. Mo has helped to simplify a lot of the aspects and, and make me into a, a safe uh, beginner who can uh, use the evidence and come up with uh, reasonable treatment plans that are safe and effective for patients. And that's the and this is why we developed uh, the Safe More technique uh, for a treatment plan, which is an acronym help. That, uh, that the specialist orthodontist or the dentist uh, uh, to structure their treatment plan and come with very structured and thorough treatment plan. Would, can I put a link to that on the bottom? Uh, yes, absolutely. That, yeah? Actually, I'm, um, I already uh, developed the beta phase of an app where uh, the clinician can go through on a questions and answer, and after that, it will give them a treatment plan. It's not ideal. It's not a place. A it's human, a guide. It's a guide. It's yeah. a guide. It's a, it's a template. Okay? Brilliant. Uh, if that's available, I'll put it. Whenever it is available, I'll just put it on the Absolutely, link in the show yeah. notes and then people can download that. So one of the things I want to uh, ask is why, and this is a question that GDPs might be embarrassed to ask, okay, but why are class one molars so important, right? Because uh, I've asked some few questions uh, on, on a few courses, especially in a few, let's say STO or anterior alignment orthodontic courses. And we think, oh, if you send to an orthodontist, it'll take two years course treatment, they'll get everything class one, what's the point? Why the midlines have to be coincident? But I think then I, when I came on this course, and I realized something, I don't want to ruin it by, by saying, because I think you'll, say, you'll do it more justice, but class one molars, okay? So if someone says, oh, why is class one molars so important? What's the point, okay? How can you simplify the understanding for the GDP? Well, um, we as a special orthodontist, we are not looking to achieve a class one molar all the time, but uh, the molar relationship uh, for us is a guide to, uh, to guide the anterior teeth uh, occlusion. So by achieving a class one molar relationship in a case where you don't extract teeth, mean that uh, in theory, you will get a class one incisor relationship. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, in cases where you have a class two, for example, class two molar relationship, this and missing two teeth in the upper, in theory, you will get a well-aligned teeth. So it's very complicated to uh, explain it in this short yeah. interview, but the molar relationship, whether it's class one or class two, or class three doesn't make any difference in terms of stability, in terms of aesthetic, or in terms of the function. They are actually a guide for us as a clinician, whether we are specialist orthodontists or dentists with enhanced skill in orthodontics, to guide the anterior teeth. So it's just give us a view how the teeth will look like at the end of treatment. Perfect. And, and, and for those who are very simple-minded like me, the way I, when, when Mo taught us this, and he went to much more detail than this, obviously what's possible in this short audio show, but basically, if you got someone, and the way that, if you got someone with half a unit class two molars, okay, 
and they've got, uh, let's say, a class of Div 2, and you know that uh, they've got a bit of crowding anteriorly, you can tell the patient why it might be a good idea to treat, get treated more comprehensively, because you could say already that because they've got a half a unit class 2 molar, that means, and please correct me if I'm, I'm wrong. Absolutely. Okay. So you've got half unit class 2 molars bilaterally, then that means that uh, both molars are ahead by half a unit, which is roughly about three and a half, four millimeters, right? Yeah, assuming that you have full set of teeth in the, in assuming the top you have full lower set arch. Of teeth. Yeah. So therefore, you know that your overjet, if you were to simply align everything, okay, yes. and level and align everything, would be four millimeters more than the, than the uh, class one. So it would be, you'd say to the patient, listen, uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't say it this way, but you would be able to show them that your upper teeth would be ahead about six millimeters. Yes, because the back lower. teeth are ahead by four millimeters. The whole set The whole set forward. of the teeth are ahead by four millimeter. Uh, this means that the, after you straighten the teeth and align the teeth, then the anterior teeth will reflect what's happened posteriorly and will sit forward by the same amount as the teeth, upper teeth are sitting forward in relation to uh, the lower teeth. I'm trying to use non-jargon word here of because course. maybe we will have um, uh, uh, people who are not dentists or have interest yep. in dentistry. So when you have half unit class two molar, which means that the upper molars are sitting four, four millimeter ahead of the normal position, then when you align the teeth, then the anterior teeth will become four millimeter ahead. And it sounds really simple when I look at it now, now that I've been through most of your diploma. But at the time when you explained this, it, it just clicked. And I think all GDP, a lot of GDPs probably haven't thought about it this way. Yeah. That actually it's, the, the molar being in class one is not the, what we're aiming for. We're aiming for a pleasing appearance in a, in a good uh, um, occlusion with good custard fossa relationship, with um, a good overjet, good overbite. These are the things and these are guided by your molar Absolutely. relationship. It's not the fact that we're chasing after the class of molar, it's because we're chasing after uh, a good, stable, uh, pleasing looking smile, uh, uh, and that is led by the posterior. Absolutely, so, and, and just to, to yeah. remind you, you know, um, the molar relationship uh, uh, is one of the first key of occlusion in Android 6 keys of occlusion. So achieving class one molar when you have full set of teeth is an essential to achieve incisor relationship. Yeah. Assuming that you have full set of teeth. And to simplify it in another way, if you have two upper teeth are missing, then ideally you should, your molar relationship should end in full unit class two, yep. it's called therapeutic class two, in order to achieve a class one incisor. Yep. And if you have missed two missing teeth in the lower, then your molar relationship should be class three class in three. order to achieve class one incisor relationship. Okay. Perfect. And, um, and just uh, yeah. small comments about half units. Well, as orthodontists um, or as um, dentists who has uh, enhanced skill in orthodontics and a good educational background in orthodontics, um, uh, this is our aim, achieving class one, class two, or class three, if there is a missing teeth or not. But half units or fraction uh, class two or class three is not an ideal because this means that the patient are biting cusp to cusp and this is not stable in terms of occlusion. It might affect the long-term prognosis of the health, although the ev evidence are weak. It might affect the t uh, TMD, although the evidence are weak. But we try to eliminate these even if there is a small and or weak evidence. When you see class one, uh, uh, you know, a, a perfect class one case uh, study models, um, you see that how everything intercuspates so nicely. Absolutely, and this is why they are locked together, and yes. this means that they, the teeth will get stable. Yeah, but even in a class two, uh, full unit class two, things actually intercuspate nicely as well. Yes. So in these full units, they, they meet well, but half units, like you said, it's not quite um, well intercuspated. Absolutely, absolutely. So which leads nicely onto 
GDPs, okay, a lot of times, get this in, especially in the UK, where uh, dentists' GDPs can practice orthodontics. Now, in some countries, they, can, uh, they can't. And I know in Singapore right now, I can give you some news that in Singapore right now, they're going through a lot of appeal at the moment. The GDPs are upset because the, the specialists want to suggest that GDPs need to limit their scope of practice. So they may not be able to do orthodontics anymore. They may not be able to do a lot of what they do, like implants, root canals, that, uh, that, that sort of stuff, which is crazy. Let's not get into that too much. But in this country where we can practice orthodontics, where is the place for compromise? In which cases do you think it's okay to compromise? What I mean by that is, uh, in which cases is it, it might be okay to compromise within reason? And which cases must you simply always try your best to get a comprehensive result? Uh, if that's not too unfair a question. Uh, uh, yeah, let me, let me rephrase the question. So yeah, you're saying uh, in which case we can accept a compromise result. Yes. Well, always we are, we are, we are, our aim is to achieve an ideal result. And the ideal or, or a normal occlusion or ideal occlusion. And this means that good intercuspation uh, of the teeth, uh, class one incisor relationship. When you say compromise occlusion, it means that you are accepting slightly imperfection in the occlusion, maybe increased overjet, maybe reduced overbite, maybe increased overjets, or yes. So all those all those things that you just said, except the, compromised. except things will be aligned and the patient might look a little bit better. However, at the expense of overjet, at the expense of potentially overbite, at the expense of uh, fraction uh, class molars, so fraction class two, fraction class three, whatever. But it's basically the social six are happy in, in yeah. that case. Uh, in, as an orthodontic uh, opinion and educator, in which cases do you think, okay, uh, it, it might be more acceptable, it might, not, it might not be in the real world? Okay, first of all, you should know that orthodontic treatment is, most of the time, is an elective procedure. It's cosmetic pro procedure. So the evidence that it's uh, reduced the risk of developing a caries, has, uh, there's a new paper has been published recently, and it said that there is no difference between straight teeth and uh, irregular teeth in terms of the caries rate. In, in terms of the function and mastication, uh, it has limited effect except when the patient has difficulty in, uh, in mastication and chewing or incising food in anterior open bite. In terms of the effect on the TMD and other factors has been proven by Luther Cochrane Review that there is no correlation between straight teeth and good occlusion and, and TMG in most of the cases. So um, what I'm saying is that you sh why I said that orthodontic treatment is, is an elective procedure Sometimes you need to weigh the risk and benefits. And if you find that the risk of achieving a, co a comprehensive treatment, or let's say um, a perfect occlusion, class one incisor, class one canine, and perfect intercuspation is higher, uh, this, the risk is higher than, uh, than the benefits, then um, I personally, as a specialist orthodontist and most of my specialist orthodontist colleagues, we do some time uh, and accept a compromised treatments when, uh, for example, the patient has some periodontal problem, or I'm not saying, well, you should actually not treat a patient with periodontal problem. Let's say the patient who have a slightly short root, and yeah. if you move the teeth significantly to correct the overjet significantly, mm -hmm. this means that, uh, or to the, to want to correct the overjet to the ideal, uh, this means that you will expose the patient to a higher risk of root resorption because the systematic review by Coral show that if you move the teeth f um, f over a long period of or long distance and over a long period of time you'll expose the patient to high risk of foot resorption okay so maybe you will accept just aligning the teeth accept compromise over just um, and pleasing the patients uh, and that's it as uh, long as it's an informed discussion with the patient absolutely Listen, this might be a, a way to
to go. Yeah. Because it might mean that might be less issues with the you know your teeth uh, breaking down, root resorption, yeah. uh, losing your teeth, Absolutely. or reducing the uh, the prognosis of your teeth. Basically, I wouldn't say like that to a patient, but in terms of my dentist listeners who listen to this, so in those cases where the risk may be greater than the benefit yes. of being completely comprehensive, getting complete um, overbite and uh, overjet reduction, but at the same time you still need to meet the aesthetic goals because it is an elective procedure. Absolutely, absolutely. But if you are going to achieve a compromise treatment, um, and if you are, whether you are specialist or you are dentist with enhanced skill, um, it is your obligation, according to the uh, GDC requirements or GDC advice, uh, which is Langshine and Montgomery, is to offer all the patients all the treatment options, including uh, no treatment, compromised treatment, and comprehensive treatment. And you should be able, actually, to provide all of these options in case the patient decides to change them, their mind during the treatments. Okay? Uh, and secondly, if you are going to offer a compromised treatment, you should discuss the, uh, the side effect of having compromised treatment. You will tell the patient, listen, I am going to uh, tax your teeth. I called, when you do orthodontic treatments, I call it taxing the teeth, okay? And every time you tax the teeth, the teeth will become, sh the road will become shorter. Mm -hmm. um, and if, if the patient decides to go through the compromised treatments, they will have, uh, they, their teeth will be taxed once. If they change their mind after a couple of, of, of years, then the, the teeth will be taxed again and they become shorter. Plus, you should inform the patients about alternative options to achieve treatment, a plan with the risk and benefit of the alternative options. You should also inform the patients that there might be, the teeth might be unstable if you are not achieving a good intercuspation, if you are accepting a compromise overbite and overjet. You should make sure that you have a good retention strategy mm -hmm. Um, um, in this case, because you know, stability, uh, good intercuspation, uh, a comprehensive result, sometimes help according to the evidence to, uh, to maintain the result. In your case, when you have half unit class two molar, or when the teeth are biting cusp to cusp, or when the teeth are not meeting in a good intercuspation, they are free. They are they can slip forward or backward. They're they not, are not locked yeah. in. So you need to inform the patients about all the risk. But there is no harm. I do a lot of um, compromise treatment. I don't call it uh, STO. I don't prefer to call it short-term orthodontics because it's not a science. Okay, it is alignment phase of anterior teeth, and this is uh, of course if the risk is higher than the benefits of achieving a comprehensive result. Of course, you should involve involve the patients in this uh, decision uh, phase. That's fantastic. I really love the taxing. The taxing yes. bit was a, a great gem. So we're running out of time, so I'm just going to just uh, do one more thing. What do you think about this uh, last bit? What do you think about this phrase about children treat them idealistically, adults treat them realistically? Who said this? Do you know? I don't, I don't um, know who said this, but I always hear it. I really think it's a nice thing. I think, I think we should be, uh, uh, see Jazz, um, when I finished my first uh, orthodontic treatment, uh, orthodontic training, uh, 19 years ago, uh, we will. Uh, we, our treatment was a, um, a clinician-centered treatment. So we want to please ourselves more than pleasing the patients. We want to achieve everything perfect, class one incisor, class one canine, and we move the teeth you know, uh, behind their envelope, and it took ages for the patients, okay? We spend a lot of time achieving something minor. Now the treatment has been moved and become a patient-centered. So instead of, for example, if you have buccal-impacted canine, why I would be bothered of extracting the premolar, bringing the canine down, the canine will come with a receded gum, which will take ages, and the patient doesn't care about having a canine or a premolar as far as they have um, um, uh, well-aligned teeth and nice smile. So what I am saying is, <coughs> uh, is that you should we should actually aim to achieve a patient treatment that please the patient first within reasonable 
uh, justification, okay? And we should be realistic rather than idealistic. And and maybe just another comment about why we we sometimes we can we can be I realist uh, idealistic in children is because we have a, a lot of, of options in, in children. We can expand the jaw, we can move the, the, uh, the, uh, the mandible forward or the mandible or teeth, not the jaw actually. Uh, we can do a lot of things. Teeth move faster. Yeah. Okay, Ali study 2018 showed that the teeth move faster. A patient's compliance is better. Okay. Distalization. Distalization. Every, a lot of options. Okay. We can move the teeth uh, in 3D in, 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 in a bigger envelope yep. than in adults. Profit. Profits envelope. Yes. <laughs> well, profit envelope is an envelope for discrepancy, but um, um, for in children, the envelope of doing orthodontic treatments only is bigger. Yeah. So we can achieve a lot. While in adults, you know, uh, the discontinuation of treatment in adults is 30% compared to children, which is 12%, because adults are decision makers. They can stop treatment now because their pain is higher than, than children, because the, the, the pain relief releasing factor is higher in adults than children. I didn't know that. So 30% of adults will discontinue treatment, yes, like finish a bit earlier, maybe. Yes, 23 to 30%, wow. they, there's a con discontinuation of treatment at some stage, whether changing the plan to yeah. get a shorter treatments or just abandon the whole treatment plan. Uh -huh. And this is because they, are, they suffer a lot from a lot of pain, their tooth movement is faster, so their compliance drop after a couple of months, and because the pain is higher. And because we are decision maker, we get we get bored, you know. Yeah. If I put fixed appliance now, you, I'm, I'm sure that you are using an Invisalign, and you you start now complaining. Uh, last time when it drove me, you start start complaining about your uh, treatments. If you are 12 years I, and you are my son, I will force you to <laughs> use fixed appliance, okay? Because the the, the motivation in children is external, yeah. a mix external and internal. Yeah. In adult, it's mainly internal, and you can make a decision and let's stop the treatment now. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Thank Honestly, you. Really, thank really you. appreciate it's my that. pleasure, That's, uh, Jazz. That's going to really help all the a lot best. of GDPs. Thank and you. All the best for the GDPs as well. <laughs> thank you. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Let me know if you did. And also, if you like my episodes, then please tell a friend and also sign up for their newsletter on my blog, jazz.dental, uh, so that any episodes that come out, you get an email uh, notification as well. I've got some other really cool things lined up with lots of guests and some solo ones as well. So uh, I'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening.